Hi, Rebecca. Is manufacturing still a viable industry in this country? Uh, well, it's the, the answer to that is the same as it's always been, really, which is that it depends what. So making jumbo jets has never been viable here. Uh, making uh, underpants and socks was uh, was viable after World War One and isn't viable today. Making cochlear ear implants, believe it or not, is viable. So it just depends. And we tend to, there's a lot of debate in Australia, which is very... Um, People like to flatter themselves that they can answer a question like, "Is you know, manufact does manufacturing have a future?" And the answer is yes, of course it does, but it changes its shape, and we're good at some things in manufacturing and bad at others, and uh, we don't need to turn it into a big metaphysical question. <laughs> uh, we, you know, our level of competitive and comparative advantage moves around as technology moves around, and that's one of the things that's happened in the car industry. But on a day like today when Ford has come out and made you know, a fairly dramatic announcement yep. that they'll stop manufacturing cars by October 2016, yes. is the bigger picture here to essentially cut out losses on manufacturing cars or clothes and refocus our efforts on growth industries? Well, yes, but this idea of refocusing our efforts still carries implicit in it this idea that People in Canberra or people in Brisbane, you know, uh, pick some industry and say, I think the future's here or there. Now, in some senses, governments should have some idea of the sort of shape that the, of the economy that they're moving into. But to answer your question, should we be handing, continuing to hand out money to the car industry? The answer to that question is essentially no. Um, but, if, but, but when we're considering what industries might replace the car industry... Um, we don't necessarily have to spend money on them. So an example is ex exports of health services. Now, in the, one of the things we did in the 1980s is we said, well, we should be exporting more education services, which is educating foreign students in Australian university campuses and schools. And then we looked at that and said, well, gee, that's not going to work at the moment because we've got a very elaborate systems of subsidies for Australians. So then we decided to redesign the system so that there was a track of exports which were full fee paying. We could do the same thing with our health system, but we haven't. Can you be yep. more specific on that? Because the idea of commercialising health systems yep. is a, probably not an obvious concept for people to grasp, yeah, as so, opposed so, to so saying, let be, let's yeah, make sure, cars. So, yeah. Well, it's exactly like education. So when you export education services, the consumers of those services come here from other countries and they pay us full fees for doing a course at University of Queensland or University of Melbourne. And we, we make a profit out of that and we employ more lecturers and build university lecture halls and so on with that money. And we could do exactly the same thing with our hospitals. India... Thailand, various other countries are getting Americans who might pay $20,000 for uh, a knee arthroscopy under their system and they'll do it for $1,800. Well, we can do it for $3,000 or $4,000 and people would probably feel a lot happier coming to Australia to, to get that work done than they would going to India, that's... rightly or wrongly. You know, I'm not I'm not that's not an anti-Indian kind of mind sure. personally, but that's uh, that's an advantage we could generate in the market, uh, and that would involve growing an industry without tossing money at it, but just 
by attending to the the hard labour of uncoupling exports from domestic subsidies and domestic regulation and so on. So essentially, you see potential in uh, Australia saying to the rest of the world, come on down under and get your knee or hip replaced. Absolutely, absolutely. And, um, you know, there are politics about that. So if you were a savvy opposition and you wanted to make trouble for a government that was doing that, you would... What would you do? You would say, well, isn't it terrible? We're now using Australian surgeons to do surgery on foreigners and there are waiting lists for Australians. So it, it just as the same sorts of arguments came up in education. So this is hard work. And it's, easy, it's easier for politicians to just say, oh, well, we're going to slip this company some money and go out and they'll do a launch and they'll say, you know, this particular industry is the future of our state or our country you know, well, that's easy, but it's usually a way of screwing things up if you have to hand money to people to in order to be competitive. So the other thing we can do is if we're actually in the mood to toss money around is we can try and toss money in areas where we've got a good reason to think that the market doesn't work very well. Yeah. An example of that, and, and we're actually doing this to a substantial extent. So, And, and can I just pull you up there, because I yep. just want to be really clear, because again, go. you know, these are big, complicated concepts. Essentially, yes. if uh, if you say that the government over-invested in the car industry for yes. a number of years, yes. instead of persisting with that, uh, an industry that we cannot, we obviously cannot compete with uh, international operators on, take that money well, well, or, well, we or, can take that i'll take that well, we might get back to that i'm not sure that's absolutely true but i'm agreeing with you that we shouldn't be tossing money at that problem but anyway press on so so then the the opportunity there is to shift the focus yep. onto uh industries that previously we hadn't thought about as uh, economic opportunities well that's right and we but and and we can shift the industry in my example of health we can do that without Spending money, in fact, we would make money by doing it. My guest is Dr. Nicholas Gruen, who is the CEO of Lateral Economics. He's uh, an innovator and talking you through what he sees as the big opportunities for manufacturing in Australia. I guess uh, the other side of this is for people with more traditional skills who may be involved with uh, the automotive industry, yep. the idea of commercialising something like health systems doesn't seem like a potential career path yeah. for them. No, You've, uh, yeah, I think that's a fair point. Yeah, yeah, which is why uh, announcements like this are, are met with some fear, some trepidation about what's you know what's the future for me when I I need to go to yep. work earn yep. a wage and put food on the table. The two other areas that you've identified as opportunity areas are one in mining equipment, one in agricultural technology. Can you just expand yep. on both of those? Sure. Um, and then I might talk about the car industry itself. So take mining equipment. People kind of see cars every day and they think cars are kind of iconic of manufacturing industry. In fact, we've got a, a, an industry manufacturing mining equipment around the country which is worth tens of billions of dollars. Uh, and it makes sense. You can see why we would make mining equipment. We've got a hell of a lot of mines here. We've got the, we're, we're, our miners spend a lot of money on research and development because they might be trying to mine a particularly difficult piece of ground. And so they do lots of research and development on that, and that puts them in a good position to 
build equipment and have knowledge and systems in place that might mean that they can go to Africa or New Guinea or Canada and have an advantage over other firms. So that's an area where the sort of thing we do, we have a natural advantage in and we should be trying to develop that advantage by uh, making sure that the firms in the industry are well funded so they can innovate and invest in research and development and all that sort of stuff. And perhaps the people could also see some uh, crossover skills there. Instead of uh, people making cars, the idea of making mining equipment, again, exactly. comes back to that tangible example. What about ag- right. agri- right. agricultural technology? Well, we've been a leader in agriculture our whole lives as a country. Uh, we've got some very good systems and knowledge of you know, all sorts of agricultural things, drenching, uh, insecticide spraying, uh, ground truthing. Now, you probably don't know what ground truthing is, but ground truthing involves taking satellite images and using various systems to check their veracity or whether you can draw certain inferences by the, from the satellite image by checking out what's happening on the ground. So that's visioning technology. You know, technology is becoming more and more abstract, if you like, more and more highfalutin. And so it's not really all that terrific to work out how you want this to develop with kind of focus groups or politicians making promises at at, at policy speeches that they think sound good. Mm. Um, And if you've got time, I can give you an example in the car industry where the government announced a thing called the Green Car Fund. Now, what could sound better than a Green Car Fund? Well, we made a similar sort of mistake in the 19... 70s where we said well you know oil prices are going up so Australia's got to get into making small cars and at the time we never had a chance in small cars the Japanese then and now the Koreans and soon the Chinese have a huge advantage there but they never showed any real interest in making large cars and we ignored that and and also assumed that we were no good at it so so that was an example of how we you know, we put together a policy sort of based on kind of word association. Who Who isn't in favour of things being green? But it actually wasn't a particularly good use of our money. Now, at the same time, we've around our suburbs where, you know, our city governments and our state governments are saying, can't we use more electric cars? Well, one of the obstacles to electric cars is infrastructure, you know, recharging stations, regulation about all sorts of things to do with electri- our electricity grid and so on. So we could have invested. So we were t- at this time, we were tossing billions of dollars just at Ford and Holden because they make something that we can all talk about around the dinner table, but we could have been spending it on the infrastructure for the future, on making experiments, some of which would work, some of which would not work. But we wanted to, you know, we wanted to have an announcement for the news and we wanted it by 5 p.m. So is it too late for Australia to uh, develop and uh, make it commercially viable a green car, an electric car? Uh, well, I, yeah, I wouldn't. No, no, well, I wasn't suggesting we would make the cars. I mean, maybe we'll make the cars one day. Who knows? What's important is that we don't prejudge what we do. So what matters is that if we can be a fast adopter of green cars, of electric cars, that's just going to be good for us. And if we do that, we might well find that we become manufacturers of the first generation of recharging stations and various bits of electronics that are necessary for that. It's hard to believe that if we led in that area 
that we wouldn't be exporting some of those things fairly soon. So, so, so it's, but it's a completely different mindset to to pointing at something and saying, oh, good, let's make some of those. Yes, yeah, it's a whole, it's really fascinating to get your kind of, your view, your perspective on this because, yes, as you say, we are Australia, we make the recharging stations, we make the ground-truthing vision technology. I mean, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't roll off the tongue easily, but perhaps no. on a day when uh, we've got car companies saying, look, we are shutting the doors, this is the sort of thing we need to start thinking about. Well, the, the car industry is the only industry that ever has or continues to do this. You know, like firms have been closing their doors since Federation, since well before Federation, and people go, gee, that's really tough. You know, we really feel sorry for some person who got sacked or some, pot- you know, some, some stoneware pottery company. Or I mean, I, I just, I'm thinking of that because I remember when I was working for John Button, a firm, I think it was in Ballarat, said it was closing and we needed to subsidise it and was all these evil imports. And what was turning, what, what was happening was that it was making those old clay pipes that we used to put in the ground and it was getting wiped out by plastic pipes and they hadn't invested in plastic pipes and sure enough, they got wiped out. Well, that's all that happened. They got wiped out. They were a one-day wonder on the news. That is the story for almost all Australian industry and it's not the story for cars, but... It would be better if it was because capitalist economies are very dynamic things. And I can tell you that on the day that those people in Ford walk out of Broadmeadows never to return, there will be more people sacked in Australia, around Australia on that very day than are walking out of Broadmeadows. And will they get on the news? No. Will the taxpayer come to rescue them? No. But we still get on regardless, and that's really the way it should be. Really appreciate your time tonight, Nicholas. Thanks so much. Thanks, Rebecca.